Word of God, 2 Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 9. And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, God is able to give thee much more than this. God is able to give thee much more than this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse, verse 20, Paul said, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we are able to ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I want to preach to you for a little while this morning just simply exceeding abundance exceeding abundance. Everybody say, thank God for the Word. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. God has the amazing ability to exceed abundance. I told our group before we came in, our music team, worship team, before we came in, prayed with them this morning, that this is probably, Ephesians 3, is probably one of the most misquoted scripture in the Bible. Most people quote this scripture to say that unto him who is able to do exceedingly, comma, abundantly. It's not what the Bible said. He's able to do exceeding abundant. He is able to exceed abundance. All of us know that abundance is more than enough. I can tell by the way some of your clothes fit and what have you, that we get abundant of food. You know, every meal is an all-you-can-eat buffet kind of thing. <clears throat> but abundance is always plenty. It's, it's more than enough. God, according to the Apostle Paul, can even exceed abundance unto Him who is able to do exceeding abundantly. He can go beyond abundance. It would be interesting if someone would do a Bible study, and uh, I do seriously believe we have a scholar here this morning, and Sister Leanne Alexander. God has used her so mightily to impact the kingdom, and I'm so thankful for what God has done in her life, the gifting that she has, and what have you. But it would be interesting to know how many times a prophet of God has wagged his finger under the nose of a king throughout the Bible. We have the instance of Samuel confronting King Saul. There's the prophet Nathan telling David, Thou art the man. There's Elijah standing uh, in the face of King Ahab and pronouncing God's judgment. But then in 2 Chronicles chapter 25, there's an unnamed prophet. We don't know who he is, but he is standing in the face of Amaziah, the king of Judah. The king of Judah had... Uh, contracted with the king of Israel, those of you that understand after the death of Solomon, the country of Israel split into two parts. The northern kingdom was Israel, the southern kingdom was Judah. Judah had two tribes, the northern kingdom Israel had ten tribes. So they're two separate countries, if you will. So Amaziah, king of Judah, had contracted with the king of Israel to hire 100,000 men of Israel 
to help supplement Judah's army. In other words, this was an insult in the face of God. That you don't think I can help you, so you're going to go to another country and hire some of their soldiers to help fight your battles. So this unnamed prophet came down hard against this arrangement, for he contended that God lifts up and casts down, and that God's blessing could not be expected if backslidden Israel got mixed up with Judah, who was serving God at the time. So Judah was in favor with God, but Israel was in disfavor with God, and God did not want the two to mix. He did not want Israel to provide soldiers for Judah because Israel was not living for God. It's another message in that. We'll come to that at another time, perhaps. Amaziah, king of Judah, had no desire to be cut off from God. He understood his need of God, but then he was okay with not hiring the soldiers. But he said, he told the prophet, but I have a hundred talents of silver involved in this. That's a lot of money, so what am I going to do about the money? What shall we do, he said, for the 100 talents of silver? The king is worried about that. I've already paid the money, and not to get what I've paid for seems a waste. I want to say in passing, those of you that feel like she's for Christ is bleeding you pretty hard right now, don't worry about it. The more you give to Jesus, the more he's going to give to you because our God can exceed abundance. Oh, yes, he can. I've heard people say, man, I just, you know, I planned this trip and I've invested money in it. And so I can't cancel the trip even though I know if I was in church on a given time that God would give me a miracle of healing or whatever, but I've already invested this money. There's folks here today, I want you to never forget this point. Don't ever worry about the money. When your heart is right with God and your heart is in sync with the will of God, don't ever worry about the money. God will take care of your finances. I thought I'd have this whole building on their feet shouting, yes, 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 and I just got one. So apparently that's the only one that's learned it. There was somebody not uh, several years ago that felt burdened for the church and said when our income tax comes in, our income tax check comes in, I'm going, we're going to give the entire thing to the church. If I could name that couple today and tell you who they are, you would all agree with me today that they've been blessed more than they know what to do with sometimes. And I say that in all due respect. God can exceed abundance. Don't worry about the money. Why don't everybody just stand up and say, Preach it, Pastor. Say it in faith. Say it in faith. Don't worry about the money. God's got your life in control. You may be seated. Thank you. The prophet said, do you know who you're dealing with? Now, this is Glenn Murphy commentary. Do you know who you're dealing with? This is God. 
Number one, he don't need 100,000 men to help your army. And as for the money, God will give you much more than this because he is God of much more. Everybody say much more. Say it like you mean it. Much more. Hallelujah to God. All right. Let me stop here for a moment and preach uh, just in passing. God was telling Amaziah, king of Judah, that uh, I don't want you hanging out with those backslidden Israelites in Israel. Hello. There's folks here today that need to reconsider who your friendships are with. I really apologize for being such a Debbie Downer right now and being such a dark little rain cloud on this great service of exuberant praise and worship. But some of you folks are hanging out with folks you shouldn't be hanging out with. I'm just going to go tell you like it is. I'm going to prove it to you in just a moment. But God is bottom line saying that if Israel is not serving me like they're supposed to be, I don't want their soldiers fighting in your army. I don't care how much money you've paid. I want you to serve me, and if Israel's not, I want you to leave them alone. So God sets a mandate in this virtually unknown passage of Scripture. He sets a mandate for separation. So again, while Judah is in favor with God, Israel is not. Israel is sinful, they're worldly, and God wants Judah to stay separated from them. Separation from the world is a mandate from God, not the pastor. Separation is established in the Old Testament. Those of you who do not choose to join us on Wednesday night Bible study and should, I would anticipate seeing all of you here Wednesday night for Bible study. I talked about that this past Wednesday night. And for those of you that think like you don't need it, that's a big red flag that you do. <coughs> amen. Everybody say amen. Okay. Well, but Pastor, I stay home, do laundry and all that. You'll figure it out. He's a God of much more. That's right. Okay. Separation from the world is God's mandate. It's established in the Old Testament. It began with a separated family in Abraham. And then it was a separated nation called Israel. Then it was a separated priesthood with Aaron and his sons. It was a separated tribe called Levi. The principle of separation from the world is not confined to any one book of the Bible, nor to a few isolated texts, but it runs all the way through the Bible. I want our young folks to hear this. That is edge, collision, and journey. Listen very carefully. Paul preached it to the Romans. He said, be not conformed to this world. To the Corinthians, he said, come out from among them and be ye separate. To the Galatians, he said, Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. To the Ephesians, he said, be ye not therefore partakers with them. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. 
to the Philippians. He said to be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom ye shine as lights of the world. To the Colossians, he said, set your affections not on things on the earth. To the Thessalonians, he said, abstain from the appearance of evil. To Timothy, he said, no man warreth that, that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him that hath chosen him to be a soldier. Flee also youthful lust. To Titus, Paul said, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking, looking unto him who is the author and finisher of our faith. Hallelujah to God. Even James jumped on the bandwagon with Paul and said, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Even the apostle John said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. He that loves the world, he said, love the Father, not in him. You can't serve God and mammon, or God and the world. So the Bible seems to repeat the same note. Be not conformed, come out. Be ye separate, be not partakers, have no fellowship, abstain, flee. Deny worldly lust, love not the world. Keep yourself from idols. And by the way, to Brianna and Fred I say, Christ's command to come out was followed by go ye. Amen. If you've ever seen any of the bayous of Louisiana, I have. You know that they're mostly muddy and stagnant. But through a process called evaporation, water comes out of the bayou and the dirt is left behind and somehow the water evaporates pure. This is what God does. He brings us out of a polluted world and we leave the dirt and filth behind and come forth clean and pure. And everybody said, Amen. Thank the Lord. At this time, we're going to ask the ushers to come. No, I'm just kidding. But that was some good stuff right there, and you need to remember it. Love not the world. And there's way too much world in the church, and not nearly enough church in the world. And everybody said, Amen. How many of you here today, and let me preach now a few minutes, now I've got my introduction over with. How many of you are glad today that God is the master of every situation? Is anybody happy about that? I am glad that he is the master of every situation. There was once a woman, a Welch woman, who lived in a remote valley. She went to a great deal of trouble to have electrical power installed in her home. It was noticed, though, by the power company that she didn't use very much electricity at all. In fact, her usage of electricity was minuscule. So they sent a meter reader out to check on the matter. The man came to the door and said, We've looked at your meter. Don't you use electricity? And she said, Oh, yes. We turn it on every night to see how to light our lamps. And then we turn it off again. That's the way most Pentecostals apply the power of God 
in their life. God is able is the keynote of victory and the dismissal of our fears. I'm glad to know that God is able. Paul said, I am persuaded that he is able. God is never surprised and he is never overwhelmed by our circumstances. Every one of us is in some type of a situation or another and in this we are not alone. Bible characters were also placed in all kinds of situations. Look at Abraham, a son promised a son given in Isaac. Then God asked for the child back. What a situation. But God provided for Abraham a ram of substitution. God is the master of every situation. Look at the children of Israel in Egypt needing deliverance. The Red Sea divides. God does it. He is the master of every situation. Consider Job. Job was wealthy happy and godly. God allowed him to be tested. There were four messengers that came to him. The first told him of the loss of his oxen and asses and servants. The second told of the sheep and more servants. The third told of camels and more servants. The fourth one brought the saddest news of all, telling him that all of his children had been killed in a storm. What a situation. But God was the master of the situation. And he asked Job, Where were you when I created the world? I have it all under control. He's the master of every situation. Look at Daniel in the den of lions. What a situation. But God had it under control. And then there's the three Hebrew boys. What a situation. But God had it under control. Look at the disciples and Jesus out on the stormy sea. Jesus was asleep in the boat and a storm came up and they cried, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus said, Peace, be still. He is the master of every situation. Not only theirs, but yours. God has your situation under control if we could just learn how to trust him. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I'm impressed when science develop instruments so powerful that they can pick up the sound of galaxies uh, in collision some 270 million light years away. I'm amazed to see how a laser beam can cut through a diamond as though it was paper. But I'm at a complete loss at attempting to define the power of Almighty God. Who can express in a word or even a thousand words the magnitude and the grandeur of the power of God? God has been known to bring giants to their knees weeping like babies. God has been known to take corrupt minds and give them thoughts as pure and fresh as the fallen snow. God has been known to take a home torn by strife and make it the sweetest place this side of heaven. God has been known to take men rotten and ripe for the lake of fire and make them jewels in the kingdom of God. God has been known to display hate with love, sorrow with joy, war with peace, and ashes with fire. God can do all things because he's a God that can exceed abundance. 
I need for somebody to help me preach this morning. Aren't you glad for the power of God in your life? Aren't you glad for the power of God in your life this morning? Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God can do all things. Now let me show you in light of that, God's measure of compensation. You remember Amaziah was worried about that hundred talents of silver. Much more than this was the prophet's theme. Much more than this was his theme. We want the secure. We want the visible. We want the tangible evidence. But God rewards and repays faith with much more than the visible, secure, tangible evidence could ever say. God has an ability to do that. You might want to ask yourself, how big do I believe that God is? A little girl was listening attentively as her father read the family devotion. She seemed awed by her parents' talk of God's limitless power and mercy. Daddy, she said, how big is God? Dad thought for a moment and answered, Honey, he's always bigger than your need. He's always bigger than your need. I don't know about anybody else here today, but I found that to be true in my life. I've never lacked. God is always provided for my needs. Brother Billy and Sister Michelle, I made a feeble attempt last weekend to tell the story of your awesome grand twins. And the pastor looked at me that I was telling the story to and he said, what? You mean this, the sonogram showed that this girl had twins in her womb. There's Candace. I didn't see you. I'm sorry. Well, they're here. Is Gabriel and Gabriella here? There they are. They're here. There you go. There's the evidence right there. <laughs> they showed two babies in her womb. She lost one, miscarried one. Never forget it. Brother Billy told me, he said, I walked out in the parking lot that night to the hospital. And I told God, you promised me two grandbabies, a boy and a girl. You promised me that. And I'm holding to you to your promise. I'm coming to that point in just a minute. She went through all of that, and the doctor gave her really no hope for the second baby either. She went back to the doctor, I believe, the following week, and they did another sonogram, and there was two more babies in her womb, and they're here this morning. They're here. See... We have a hard time understanding how much bigger God is than our need. He's the God of much more. Our God is a great God who does much more. He exceeds abundance. This is why the apostles' astounding description of God, of the God of much more, he said, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. A British merchant was asked one day by Queen Elizabeth to go away on a mission for the crown. When he hesitated because he had an extended, he knew that an extended absence would hurt his business, the queen replied, if you'll take care of my business, I'll take care of yours. 
The man went on the journey and returned to find that his business exploded because the queen started pouring things in to the economy and what have you that just made his business explode and erupt. I would to God that Pentecostals could get this concept of God in their head. If you'll take care of his business, he'll see to it that your business is taken care of. Oh, yes, he will. There are some 7,000 promises in the Bible from God to man. Here are a few. Oh, fear God, ye his saints. For there is no want or lack in them that fear him, the psalmist said. He went on to say, they that seek God shall not want or lack any good thing. Solomon wrote, honor God and prosperity will be sure. The truth was announced by God to Eli when he said, them, them that honor me, I will honor them. The Old Testament renewed the pledge of God to his people on its last page in the book of Malachi that said if you'll give God his due he'll pour you out a blessing that you can't contain. The best known promise of all reaffirming the eternal principle of the divine response to faithfulness Jesus said seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. To do this to obey this is to delight oneself in God. No one has ever taken him at his word and failed to receive from God the desires of his heart. Jesus said, Wherefore, if God clothed the grass of the field, how much more, how much more, how much more, much more shall he clothe you? He is the God of much more. And he exceeds abundance. So, are you afraid that you can't hold out? Are you struggling to hang on? Haven't you learned the secret of resting in his word? Which guarantees that if all be surely kept, and seeing that he loved us when we are lost, were lost, he will love us even the more now that we're his children. Do we understand that? Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 5 verse 10. For if. Everybody say if. When we were enemies. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled. We shall be saved by his life. I preach today. That everybody must repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost in order to be truly born again. But I also preach that every born again believer has a right to expect that God will honor their request for the fullness of the Spirit without any complications. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? God deals with us beautifully and bountifully and not in alignment with our picky unish ways. How many people tithe on a penny, go to church on Easter Sunday, and do just enough to keep up their membership or appearance or position? Just enough. They're kind of like folks who invite you to their house for a cup of coffee. When you arrive... All you get is a cup of coffee. 
I like it when people invite me over for a cup of coffee. But when I arrive, there's a fresh homemade apple pie in the oven and a gallon of Bluebell ice cream in the refrigerator. When you go to their house, they give you just a little bit more. Hallelujah. And thank God for unselfish saints. Or even better than that, they'll throw a filet mignon. That hasn't happened yet. I'm still waiting on that one. But they'll throw that on the grill and a nice green salad and some good broccoli and cheese and a loaded baked potato. God bless people who know how to make good, sweet, southern Louisiana iced tea and put a good dessert on the table. Well, I didn't know you was going to do all that. They said, no, Pastor, we didn't tell you we was going to do that. But we're people of much more. So is God. So is God. So is God. You will never ask God for anything and that be all he give you. Facebook that, baby. To quote Brother Jerry Holland. You'll never ask God for anything, and that'd be all he'd give you. The, when Jesus was walking down the road one day, actually he was headed to Calvary, getting close to it. There was a blind man that called out to him, Jesus, our son of David, have mercy. Everybody say mercy. Have mercy on me. The Pharisees, <laughs> the ever-present Pharisees, it's a precedent that's been set all throughout the New Testament and exists even to this day. I don't care what you try and do in church, there's going to be a Pharisee present. We can't do that. That ain't going to work. Oh, no. This can't be Jesus. You know, Jesus raised the dead, healed the sick, cast out devils, but that ain't him. Anyway, they tried to quieten him down. <laughs> the Bible said he cried out all the more. That man had a revelation of God but I'm still trying to figure out where he got it. I think he just heard people around him talking about Jesus, beating up Jesus all the time, said, ha, that's him. I have known people wander to God by people who were not that complimentary of Jesus. Anyway, he cries out the more exceeding, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. All he wanted was mercy. He didn't ask for a new cloak. He didn't ask for a new beggar's cup. And he sure didn't ask for his sight. Put that in your Pentecostal pipe and smoke it. All he wanted was mercy. And I don't know what for. He didn't say. Just a generic, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stopped the whole procession. And said, bring him to me. I like to think it was a Pharisee that led that man to Jesus. And Jesus said, what would you have me do for you today? And the man got a little more refined and a little more specific in his prayer. It ceased from a generic mercy to a Lord that I may receive my sight. And Jesus gave him what he wanted. But more than that, and what you folks have to understand, it's documented scientific medical proof that just because people can see doesn't always mean their brain can comprehend depth and distance and broad breadth and width and so on and colors and all of that. Jesus didn't let him see. But he restored every part of his brain that needed to interpret what he was seeing. 
He got more than a cup of coffee that day with Jesus. He got the whole spread. I wouldn't have gone today that I could persuade somebody. If you would open your mind and heart and quit living less, a lesser a life than what you're supposed to. I preached that a couple of Sundays ago. And rise to the occasion and say, God, I'm tired of living a lesser life for a God who can do more than I can ask or think. It doesn't make sense for me to live this way. I'm going to step out of the boat. I'm going, to, I'm going to abandon all that I've known and heard in my past, and I'm going to make a beeline for a mighty, powerful, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I'm able to ask or think. Everybody stand and clap your hands and shout yes! Even David's saucer got in on the blessing. For he said, my cup runneth over. Somebody needs to bless your saucer today. That part of you that holds all of that burden, all of that distress, that part of you that carries your life every day, you need to let your heart overflow this morning so that your life, your future, your destiny is impacted by the might and power of God. You know, while we attempt to whittle down God to our dimensions, somehow we want the whole entire universe to fit into our mathematics. If you were to ask me today what I want out of life, I could hardly add to what I have already. I'd like to have more people here today. I'd like to have a bigger building. But I mean, as far as the blessing of God and so on. God has been so good to me. I see written on every page of my life the word blessing. As a matter of fact, I share my autobiography in the Word of God in Psalm 40, verses 1 through 4. I waited patiently, the psalmist said, for God. And He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up. Also, out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in God. Blessed is the man that maketh God his trust, and respects not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. So pleased, O Lord, be pleased. O Lord, to deliver me and make haste to help me. Reminds me of an old song. Those of you that may miss testimony service of yesterday, here we go. My heart was distressed neath Jehovah's dread frown. And lo, in the pit where my sins dragged me down. I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay who tenderly brought me out to golden day. 
He placed me upon the strong rock by his side. My steps were established. And here I'll abide. No danger of falling. While here I remain, I'll stand by his grace until the crown I gain. He gave me a song. T'was a new song of praise. By day and by night its sweet notes I will raise. My heart's overflowing. I'm happy and free. I'll praise my Redeemer who rescued me. I'll sing of His wonderful mercy to me. I'll praise Him till all men His goodness shall see. I'll sing of salvation at home and abroad till many shall hear the truth and trust in God. I'll tell of the pit with its gloom and despair and I'll praise the dear Father who answered my prayer. I'll sing my new song, the glad story of love. Then join in the chorus with the saints above. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He puts a song in my soul today. A dear sainted sister was dying. And someone asked her, Are you sinking? She said, No. You can't sink through a rock. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus saved me. He raised me up. He forgave me of my sin. And He delivered my soul. When I come to this part of this message, it would seem all right and I would be satisfied to lay down in a grave and that would be the end of it. But God said, no, that's not enough. I have much more for you. One of these days I'm going to raise you up out of the ground or you'll hear a trumpet sound and you'll be caught up to meet me in the air. And there I will be with him for an eternity. You would say, well, that should be enough. We would think that the promise of resurrection and rapture would be enough. But that's not where it ends. God says, no, I have much more for you than just that. I have a city not made with hands. In this city, there's no more death and disease. There's no fear nor fainting. There's no tear nor trial. There's no sorrow and there's no suffering. Heaven is where the gates are pearl and the streets are gold and houses are mansions and walls are jasper. The air is celestial. The life is eternal. His companionship is perfect with God and is redeemed that we shall live forever. Oh, the wonderful God of much more who can exceed abundance. A farmer was talking to a godly man one day and he was telling him how much he owned. The farmer said, I own everything you can see in every direction. The godly man Pointing toward heaven, ask, how much do you own in that direction? The farmer replied and he said, I, I guess I don't own very much in that direction. It's such a pity to live in a world with a God of so much more and refuse to accept Him and all of His wonderful benefits that He has for you. God wants to bring somebody up this morning. He wants to raise you up. He wants to make your life better. He wants to make your life worth living. 
There's people here today that are embarrassed by your past and you dread tomorrow because it's really not getting any better. But God here today is, He's here to change that because He's the God of so much more. Sometimes just once and maybe on the golden side it'll happen. Just wish one time I had the strength, the physical strength and the voice and the stamina to preach a message like this, the way I really feel it. But there's people here today, you're living beneath your privilege and you've become satisfied with it. Church attendance is hit and miss, it's sporadic. I declare people just really don't appreciate the Word of God even though you say you do because your actions don't back it up because you're hardly ever here on Wednesday night. But I love the Word of God. You're living beneath your privilege. If you had a hunger for God and a hunger for the Word of God, it would all come to life. But you've got to have a hunger for it. Somebody asked me last weekend, said, Brother Murphy, what bothers you the most as a pastor? And I had to confess, and this is my honest opinion, the thing that bothers me the most is when people live beneath their ability. It bothers me more than anything. Sister Murphy will tell you that if I complain about anything. I complain because people, about people who do not live up to their abilities, to their gifting. They'd rather play around in the world. They'd rather make a deal with Israel. The backslidden Israel that we refer to today, they'd rather get somebody else to fight their battles and pay people to do it when God said, if you'll ask me, I'm the God of so much more. I'll give you more than you need. You'll never ask for, me for anything that I won't give you more. So today as they begin softly and as our custom is, I'm going to ask everybody to come gather around the, the front, our young people, our moms, dads, grandparents, our guests, everybody come. But would you come a little different this time? Would you come determined that I'm not walking out of here without knowing the God of much more that can exceed abundance that's rumbling in my heart, that's directing my paths, that's leading my life. Somebody here this morning needs to let some tears stream. You need to let some repentance come forth out of your heart and say, God, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm guilty of trying to fight my own battles, but not anymore. I'm not going out there anymore and looking for things to help me be better. I'm going to turn my attention to Jesus. I'm going to turn my life over to Him, and I'm going to let Him direct my footsteps. Come on, somebody. Somebody give God a chance. You'll find what you've heard today is true. He loves you more than you know. He gave more than He should. Somebody let him in. Somebody let him in. Somebody let him have his way. Somebody talk to Jesus. Somebody talk to Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Why don't you let him fill you up with the Holy Ghost again? Why don't you pray to your speaking tongues? 
pray to your speaking tongues right now. Let your cup overflow. Let your saucer be blessed. Let your saucer be blessed. Go ahead. Somebody turn loose what you feel in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes. I can do anything. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! 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 Come on, somebody let him have his way. Pray till he fills you up with the Holy Ghost. Pray till you talk in tongues today. Go ahead. Worship. Rejoice. Papa pray for you for a minute. Let Papa pray for you in Jesus' name. God, wrap your arms around him. God, I've asked you to do this a thousand times. And I ask you again today, wrap your arms around him and fill him up with your spirit. Let him feel that gentle, sweet presence of God. Let him feel your presence. Let him feel your presence and fill him up with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Love you, baby boy. Somebody let him have his way right now. That's the Holy Ghost you feel it. That's the Holy Ghost you feel. He's the God of so much more. Let him have his way. Somebody.